Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now then, welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown as we look back on Celtic's 4-3 win away to Hearts in Tynecastle. A game that was dominated by one thing and one thing only, and that was VAR, which made its triumphant debut at the weekend. And needless to say, it was very, 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 very busy at the weekend. Alan Morrison and Jico James are with me. We'll start off, Alan, I mean, it was a debut to remember, at least. At least you can say that when it comes to VAR in Scotland. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, and po- possibly, unfortunately, in some respects, for the uh, officials, there was just an awful lot of need to um, refer to it. And, and, and listen, there was a lot of things that happened that I would suggest are normal in the sense of this was you know people, you know, human beings getting used to new technology, a new set of processes being used under pressure in a in a highly competitive environment for the first time and therefore mistakes will be made so specifically um you know the amount of time it took uh, some of the decisions to be made um the fact that on on the the hearts first penalty um you know possibly and I'm 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 just I'm surmising here possibly you know Nick Walsh has lost a bit of self confidence because of already some of the incidents have occurred and and doesn't give the penalty and then we have to wait sort of nearly three minutes for the actual penalty to be taken. So listen, these, are, these are things which, you know, are going to, um, you know, take time to iron out. And, 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 and as I say, I'm trying to be charitable here in terms of probably normal, really. I mean, I, I would even go so far as to say is the, you know, the, 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 the Ralston goal that was disallowed. Um, you know, if I was being charitable, uh, I would say that, you know, what uh, Walsh did was wrongly whistle for a free kick that he imagined he had seen rather than what he should have done, which is just let the play develop. Uh, Celtic scored a goal and then he sort it out. And that's, I guess, a good use of VAR. Mm. So he, he, made, he, made a, he made a mistake. He, he did the wrong thing. Well, he made two mistakes. He made a mistake thinking that Giacomacus had fouled somebody, which he clearly hadn't. And he then made a mistake by blowing his whistle before the play. Now, if I was being uncharitable, I would say he found he found a way to stop a dangerous situation. If I was being charitable, I would say he just forgot himself and didn't realise, and, and he made a mistake basically, and, and screwed up. Mm-hmm. Right, and then if that is the case, you have to say it was just a human, a human error. Um, but you know, <laughs> there were other decisions. <laughs> shall we say that perhaps I could be less charitable about? Yeah, so I've got them listed down in front of them. We'll go. We'll go. Um around them when when we get a chance so we have obviously the handball that's doing the rounds that wasn't given to Celtic Ralston's goal which you mentioned where he blows early and there was a foul in the build up by Giacomacchus the Hearts penalty uh, number one Hearts penalty number two and Abada's goal at the end which was probably the right decision but we'll we'll talk about that later on what's interesting to me is that quite a lot of Celtic fans don't actually watch the Premier League so <laughs> They have not experienced what VAR was like for the last number of years. So I'll shed some light on that. It was like this to begin with, where there were long decisions, long waits, long stoppages in play, because the referees wanted to make sure they got the decision correct, or at least close to correct. And there were a few teething issues and a few wrong decisions here and there. So I'm willing to give it a little bit of leeway, but I'm I'm an anti-VAR man anyway, in terms of what it does to football, regardless of whether they... um they take long or, to, or or a short time to come to those decisions. But uh, James, I guess 
one question to be asked here is how much do you think this is in general going to impact the way that Celtic and other teams play their football? Do you think it's going to change it overall or do you think it's going to make it a little bit more level or how do you think it's going to actually impact on games? Because it is having, we're seeing, you know, it was used widely across Scotland this weekend. Yeah, I'd say negligible outside of um, the purveyors of the dark arts. Um, So the people that might be a little bit crossing that line and being aggressive and holding and pulling on uh, corners and set pieces, that kind of thing. I, my guess is those would be the people that are probably most, and again, outside of the normal kind of just uh, Celtic specific uh, issues that we, we come back to. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, I generally that, that would probably be the one area outside of that. I mean, I, I don't think you can really do anything different. Um, because really what it's about is trying in theory is about trying to get the calls more correct. Uh, and the problem I see here is that you're, you're, you're getting decades long, um, uh, distrust and bad quality officiating, which kind of spin in amongst each itself. Right. So it's hard to pull that stuff out and assign how much is just they're terrible and how much of it's other stuff. And there's probably been plenty of that historically. Um, and then you get a game like uh, this weekend, which was just a chaotic mess in a glorious way. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the most entertaining games we'll probably get to watch in, in the season just because of how uh, crazy it was. And, you know, people end up just kind of confirming biases their way through it. And, and you throw on top of that, and I throw my hand up here, I don't think the average supporter understands the rules that well. To Absolutely a, not. Right? No, no way. Yeah, no, no. not a chance. Right? So, yeah. you know, t- to me, the one the one call of the whole game where I kind of try to step back, as I try to do, as a, you know, in the capacity that we try to focus on on this show, which is try to be objective, the one, and I don't know the rule. I know that the rule has been debated and changed 80 million times, apparently, which is the handball rule. And that's the call to me when you see it. You're just like, well, that's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. But there's subjectivity to that interpretation of that rule. So if there's, again, that that's a perfect example where you have all this these externalities of baggage between competence and and either justified or unjustified paranoia of whoever is involved on both, you know, all sides. Uh, and you, you, you just throw that kind of play into the mix and it's like, you can just make it into whatever you want to. Um, uh, to me, it looked clear that it was a, a handball should have been a penalty, but again, I'm not a rules expert. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like I could yeah, see that, 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 was, that was how far is too far from the body. I mean, that's, you know, what, what, is, what is that outside of that? I think pretty much, to Alan's point, the Ralston call looked to me like a human error that, and again, I, I having been a huge fan of North American sports that adopted all this stuff long time ago, you know, it's going to take a while for, for people to understand what's reviewable and what's not and the sequencing of these things, right? So this has been evident in the NFL for like 15 years now, which is what, you know, you get certain plays and and stuff that wasn't reviewable, even if a a coach's challenge comes in, as they call it. Um, And you just drop dead, don't review it. It's not, it's in the rules. You can't do it. So the fact that he blew that dead, that means it's not reviewable is my understanding of it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. So it's not a VAR thing. It was a bad officiating thing, which we go back to the fact that that happens all the time. (laughs) So it's not, you know, again, now now you start getting that clouded in with this as a VAR problem. I, outside of the time, the only thing I saw that was an issue with VAR was the handball call. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, you see, I mean, I, it seems the, ridiculous, but I again, I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Well, this is the catch-22 of VAR, is that one of the reasons it was brought in was to stop the endless conversation about referees' decisions and take the, it's never gonna take the flack off them. It, it, it actually makes it much like pouring worse. pouring gasoline even, on it. That's what it's going yeah, to do. That's what I've yeah, tweeted. You're even it's seeing, pouring gasoline um, on an already burning fire. Yeah, you're seeing conspiracy theories now for Premier League referees, and that's not that hasn't been a thing, but that's that's starting to 
to build uh, theories now around the Premier League as well. well interesting on the um, on the the handball front, Dermot Gallagher, who does the ref watch, it, it's a terrible, terrible segment on Sky Sports, but they do they do it anyway. He, and he, nine nine times out of ten, regardless of what happens, he agrees with the referee's decision. And I was watching the one on Celtic that they did, and they were talking about the the handball, and Dermot Gallagher kept saying, "In the Premier League, I think that's given." And then the the presenter's still pressing him, presses him three times. But do you think it's a handball though? And he is so reluctant to say, "Yes, it's a handball." The referee got it wrong. He's like, he just keeps saying, "In the Premier League, it's a handball." So yeah, I, well, and that that's I, I think because that's because that that rule is so effed up right now. It leaves so much for interpretation. There, there's no, you know, black and white about what's a handball. It, it's like a Jackson Pollock painting. Yes, yeah, so um, all, all, all the laws around foul play are subject to subjectivity, right? What is it? And, and this is, we'll come back to this in terms of that that alleged Jackamacus foul because what is a what is a trend? Absolutely a trend is the standard to which Celtic are being penalised for for contact versus the standard that the opponents are being. Um, held to for contact, okay, and that's that's a sub, that's 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 wholly subjective and open to interpretation as to how much contact is a foul, right? But let me come back to the handball rule because this one's actually quite clear. And I, and I now listen, as people as people know, uh, I, I refer these things to the Yorkshire Whistler, and he, he is an expert. He's a paid professional that referees uh, and knows the laws inside out and gives detailed and uh, explanations rooted in the wording of the laws as to why what to back up his his um, decision. And I'm sure that will be the case on this one. And I haven't heard it back from him. But I'm just looking at Law 12. And the first part of Law 12 says, it, handballing the ball, handling the ball, it is an offence if a player deliberately touches the ball with their hand arm. For example, moving the hand arm towards the, the ball. This is an example of that. When the ball comes in, ta- um, Smith's arms are tucked into his body. When Taylor plays the ball, Smith's left arm comes out and the ball hits it. He moves his arm to the ball. I'm sure his brain didn't say, let's give away a penalty. I'm going to give it away. But a bit like Ender's, Ender's brain on Friday night, when when his conscious brain said, I'm not going to have that last beer. But his unconscious brain says, yes, you are. So Michael Smith's unconscious brain probably stuck his arm out naturally to stop the ball going into the penalty area. I'm sure he didn't try and give away a penalty. But nevertheless, it's pretty well covered by Law 12. And in fact, it's the first sentence. To me, that's black and white and, and, and doesn't, it d- doesn't require any subjectivity at all. No. The, quest, the, question, the question is, given the, the view that Nick Walsh had of it, which was exemplary, and given the ability of then VAR to study it from multiple angles, why was, why was it not at least suggested to Walsh that there's, you know, it, he may want to look at it again because clearly it falls within the law of being a clear handball offence, and that is the worry. That is the worry. If someone mm-hmm. has just decided, I'm not giving that. It's not. I'm not giving it. I'm not giving it. Right. And this is and this and this comes back to you mentioned the word trust. Okay. Let's come back to trust. So this has got nothing to do with VAR. This has got to do with the individuals who've been placed in those positions of responsibility to undertake the, these roles. Okay. And on, and on Saturday, we had a referee who works as a PE teacher in a school where he teaches academy kids from Rangers. Okay, so he has a commercial relationship. He's involved in a commercial relationship with Rangers Football Club. He wears Rangers Football Club branded clothing while he undertakes his duties that he gets paid for with the Rangers Academy kids. Why is he put in that situation where his integrity can be questioned? I'm not saying he's biased. I'm not saying he's a Rangers fan. I don't know. But clearly, there's a conflict of interest there. And clearly, that erodes trust and transparency in who is refereeing these games because there is a commercial relationship between that person and Celtic's biggest rivals. Similarly, the person who ultimately decided not even to, re- to ask Walsh to look at it, is Stephen McLean. Stephen McLean's brother played for Rangers. Nothing I'm saying here isn't in the public domain. These are all facts. I'm not I'm not making up lies about he supports this and blah, 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 and he's a prod and he hates that, this, that, that. None of that. This is all factual stuff, right? 
Brian McLean played for Rangers. Brian McLean is Stephen McLean's brother. Okay, that means he has a strong family connection to Rangers uh, Football Club. Now we, we need to have people in charge of games where their personal um, integrity should be uh, should not be challenged. It's not fair to them. You know, would you want to be put in a position where your integrity and honesty can be challenged because of something in the past or some relationship that you have? That's why you have, um, you know, declarations about commercial relationships and MPs have to declare, who, you know, what, what commercial relationships they have. It's to have that transparency and to avoid the 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 people making assumptions or jump, jumping to conclusions that actually, you know, you're doing things out of dishonesty or, or, or for other reasons that we can't see. It's to protect the employees, in this case, the referees, as much as it is to protect the integrity of the game. And that doesn't happen in Scotland. I, I don't think there's another league in Europe um, where referees are not um, required to declare their allegiance to, to a football club. Now, think about that in the context of Scottish football, OK? In Scotland, and, and, and again, you, you can challenge this, but because I, 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 this isn't a fact, this isn't my opinion, but I would imagine if you looked at the population of people in Scotland who like football, okay? I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb and say roughly a third of them will support uh, the Rangers, roughly a third of them will support Celtic, and roughly a third of them will support other teams. And, and attendance records would kind of back that up, okay? You're, you're, drawing, your, 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 you're drawing your population of referees and, and lines people from that same community, okay? So I'd add to that the toxicity of the, of the, of the rivalry between those two clubs, and it's not, it's not like me. So, for example, you know, I live in Sheffield, okay? And I like Sheffield United, and I go to Bramall Lane, okay? But I wasn't born in Sheffield. I didn't go to school with kids from Sheffield. I have no animosity towards Sheffield Wednesday at all. I like to see United win. I'm not bothered what happens to Wednesday at all. If you put me in charge of a Sheffield Wednesday game, I'd, I, I would just referee as best as I possibly could. But if you put me in charge of a, of a Rangers game, then... I might be very professional and I might try my best to be as balanced as I can be, but I'm a human being and human, every single human being, including Scottish referees are subject to unconscious bias. Okay. But why put somebody in that situation in the first place? So, I mean, trust, what little trust that people had in Scottish football kind of died in 2012. Um, The trust in referees has never been there for the reasons that I've said, the Scottish FA do not protect their own employees by removing claims of lack of integrity and of bias, because by the way that they they don't you know they, they, don't, they don't declare their agencies and so forth, and the way that they assign them, they don't protect their own their own employees, and so that trust that trust isn't there. We don't trust what we're seeing, and therefore people jump to conclusions. Oh, he gave that because because he's a Rangers fan. So to me, you had two people in charge where you can say public data, right? There is a verifiable relationship and a verifiable um, conflict of interest, and you shouldn't be putting these people in that situation. And, and, and that will never change. It will never change until that changes. I don't care how many cameras you've got. I don't, I don't care yeah. what, what technology you use. That will never change unless you change that. I, I, I'm not sure it's as straightforward as you're making out because – like fair enough there's a third of like your breakdown is probably correct but i mean it's difficult enough to get referees that are qualified to referee at this level in scotland they're struggling to have referees in england let alone in scotland i think it's borderline impossible not to find somebody something about somebody uh, any referee that isn't connected to either celtic or rangers be that a first cousin second cousin niece or nephew has played for the club or played for the academy or teaches one of the kids or teaches the son of John Lundstrom in the school. I think it's just, you know, I think it's just going to be that really difficult. They're, they're picking from a pretty small pool. Um, but I, like, I totally buy into what you're saying. It is like they, they are in the firing, firing line for a reason. You've got to um, try. But you I, can't just throw up your hands and go. I'm the, oh, no, I know that. We, I we know, just throw I, up our hands and go, that, yeah. ah, well, yeah. it'll never work. Because probably, you know, let, you know, let me be practical about it. You know, do you want your best referees to not be able to referee games involving the top two clubs? They probably, like you see, is that an attractive proposition to you know maintain recruit the best talent? But I think there's ways around that in terms of you know you you, you recognise that some referees are never going to referee Celtic or or the Rangers. Um, nevertheless, in in all the all other respects, these are excellent referees, and therefore you're going to go 
to my recommended list of people that do UA for games, and then your career can develop in that way. There's, there's ways. There's ways. Uh, mm-hmm. There's ways around it. I'm sure. Just to so move if, so on. If I could, little, yeah, just sorry, real quick. If, if I could circle back to it, um, and I, I don't mean to be. Uh, well, I do because I'm an a hole, but. Um, <laughs> You know, with Alan saying that the, the handball rule is clear, it's particularly that first part of what you call Section 12. Is that what it is? It's Law 12. Yeah, Law 12. It's the laws of football, not the, not the rules of football. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, yeah, apologies. <laughs> um, I've learned one thing from the other. <laughs> so uh, one of my favorite ones going back in the NFL was, you know, what's a fumble? Right. And you would think, well, it's, you know, as long as the guy's arm or knee isn't on the ground and the ball comes out, it's a fumble. Like, how hard can that be? Well, uh, what if it's a catch and then he doesn't take two steps? And then they came up with these different um, ways to, to qualify what it is. And then it came down to, well, it ha- they have to make a football move after securing possession. And then that's when they have possession long enough to, for it to be a fumble, right? So the reason why I get into that, it sounds like it should be simple. And when you say, well, it's a hand going towards the ball. Is there not a section that also says like an unnatural football move? Isn't that like a later part? Unnatural yeah, position. Yeah. Unnatural, unnatural position, position, right? And, and, then, and, and Right. And then you have like the distance from the body, right? So again, I agree with you viewing it. It looks like, because I just rewatched it when you were talking. It looks like he swung his arm, but you know, how do you prove intent? Like was that an unnatural? It doesn't move? matter. It doesn't matter. It does not it matter. There's no. There's no. There's it no doesn't matter anymore. It just just has to be in an unnatural position. It doesn't matter if yeah. he was jumping or landing or anything. If he had his no, arm, what I'm saying I, this gets I, I this is like a position. theoretical physics discussion. It, it, was that unnatural to you? I don't know. Was it unnatural to me? Was it? I, I, mean, I don't what, think it was unnatural. But he moved. But he fails the first test, which is. The, and I'm just looking at it chronologically. But, the order but what's the, the word? Read, read that again, Alan. Read it again. Okay. Um, handling the ball. This is handling the ball under law 12, right? For the purposes of determining handball offences, the upper boundary of the arm is in line with the bottom of the armpit. Not every touch of a player's hand arm with the ball is an offence. It is an offence if a player, and these aren't numbered, but this is the first bullet mm-hmm. point, yep. deliberately touches the ball with their hand arm, for example. Right. So what's the key move, word in that sentence? Well, it says deliberately, which is impossible. Which is, so that's a standard you can't ever reach, right? That's my point. Yeah. Right. So, so that's so, the subjectivity. So, so, so let's part. let's accept that this, let's accept that this is fundamentally flawed because that word sets a standard that, you, that unless you can decipher the the electronic messages in somebody's brain, you right. cannot you cannot say. So that's that that what I'm saying. What, what, the way but you the characterize next, the next, it is being the, black and white and straightforward. It is inherently no, bit, not because of that word. Yeah, but the bit that you can is is the next bit. Which says for it says, and it says for example, moving the arm hand arm towards the ball. Yeah, he, okay. he was Liam Gallaghering it with the deliberately. So that's the case. That moving back, the hand know. towards the ball has to be deliberate. Well, of course it was deliberate because he did it. I mean, how... <laughs> like I said, to you, is, 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 you know, that's why I got. That's why I was trying to make a bit I, of a joke. I'm, I'm but, not but I was actually, with I was, I was actually, I was actually deadly serious. You know, as I say, what, you know, what I'm know. saying is that that leaves a. If you're going to get into the conspiratorial stuff, that's the kind of subjective interpretation of things where you have to try and project what somebody's intent was uh, and then measure how far away from the body was it and was it an unnatural position right there those are three subjective characterizations in one rule that you can drive a truck through as far as how you can just make stuff up if you want to and and that's to me that's a complete disaster with that's what i'm saying you pour gasoline onto the fire because no matter what happens, people are going to see a different reality and interpret those things the way they want to. And unless they simplify this rule and say, if it hits you, unless it's off your own body, if it hits a hand, it's a handball. And well, they, the did that. They, they did that in Spain for. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. It, 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 was, it, it, was, have, it was horrendous. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, but I'm, so it's yeah, going to be yeah. an issue. With, it, there's lesser evils here. Right. Sure. So you, yeah. Okay, so listen. I think, I think I think the, the good point, well made, that I'm taking from what you've said, and I agree with, is that all of the laws, okay, do are, are worded in such a way that you always have this subjectivity, and in the in the space where that subjectivity can exist, come these other elements that I'm talking about. We're putting people who are conflicted into positions where their unconscious bias can interpret that in a certain way, okay. And, 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 you know, we know, we know which way that is. 
predominantly. I would also say incompetent people because they're just not ready to use this technology either. I mean, we were we we can talk all day about biases and all that. They're also just bad referees. We like we see. No, but it's really, it is related. No, but it's related. It is related. Right? related. I, I'm not I'm because not, it's not I'm because not, it's not. I'm, a, I'm absolutely. It's it's, all, it's almost willfully not a not a professional um, setup. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could go on about this for hours, but you know, the fundamental problem for me is that there's no separation of duty and control between the Scottish Football Association and, 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 the, and the provision of refereeing services to the professional game. You need to treat it like a service provision model, and you organise itself accordingly. And that's the only that's one step, okay? But then you've got to be have a, have a professional way of recruiting, hiring, hiring people. Whereas the way that it happens in Scotland is, oh, he's a good lad. I know him. He's all right. Um, or you're like you get Willie Collum. Oh, let's have the let's have the, the token Catholic. I'm, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not joking, right? To, to bolster the numbers, but it's so you don't recruit based on who's the best referee. You recruit based on other criteria because it's an unprofessional boys' club mentality that runs that side of the game. If you made it professional and accountable and transparent, and it reported to the to the, to the football teams whose services they are providing to and with, with clear criteria for performance evaluation, you start to get a professionally run body. That would take effort and time though, Alan, that's the key point. And They're money probably as well. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on from the handball decision because there's another couple and I, we won't we won't actually talk the entire podcast about VAR because there was an actual game in between it all. But um, just for some clarity on a few things because there were a couple of decisions that people were confused with and what the protocol was on, on certain things. So the Ralston goal we've covered, it, it is just he blows early and that's it. There's nothing VAR can do in that situation. Um, the Abada offside, I'll just finish this off in, because a lot of people were confused why the lines weren't shown on Sky. Now, this doesn't provide clarity because we, we don't actually know what version of VAR we're getting at the minute in Scotland because it's still in the early days. But um, we're, we do have a VAR light, to, so to speak. With um, It doesn't have goal line technology, so there is questions whether or not we're getting the full package and whether or not we're getting the same VAR that we're getting for the Premier League. For the line situation, so when VAR first came in to the Premier League a couple of years ago, for the first two years, it was up to the broadcasters to show you the line and show it on screen, whereas now... It just gets; they just get the final product. They don't see the referees coming to the decision of offside. It's just the final product with the onside offside decision on screen. We don't know whether Sky are using that version or using the old version, but we'll probably find that out in the coming weeks. But that's what the Abada situation was about. I just want to touch on the Hearts penalty, the one that Cameron Carter Vickers gives away. So, I, like my fr- my initial thoughts on this was oh that that like that's fair enough that's a penalty there's clear movement in the ball the ball goes forward when i rewatched it again devlin goes into that challenge with his studs up and collides with cameron carter vickers now i can but bo- i can see both sides of this argument 100 i can see why it was given as a penalty but i was also questioning like is the initial foul not him going in with his studs up in the air like that I think they both do. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's one of those where, you know, similar to where a defender's holding an attacker and an attacker's holding a defender, the referee just goes, you're both coming in at the same height, um, so I'm not going to penalise one over the other. So I thought that was a good example of VAR because it showed quite clearly that Devlin got a touch on the ball a fraction of a second before Carter Vickers and, uh, and, and then Carter Vickers you know, collided with Devlin's foot. So I thought that was fair, fair enough. It just took them a long time to come to that decision. But then to be fair, it was probably the first big call and penalty call that they had to deal with. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with that. The, the, but the one other note or the point that I would make about that was that if you watch when the penalty is actually taken, uh, Snodgrass encroaches into the box before any Celtic defender, a Hearts player encroaches into the box. And that, that wasn't an issue but it became an issue for the second penalty. And it's things like that that people sort of, again, fall back to, well, why is, why is it an issue with one and not the other? Is it incompetence? Or, again, the door is open because of the reasons that I've said. Is it for another reason? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the football match because I didn't actually get to see this live. I was, as you can probably tell from my voice, I was out on a long weekend uh, for a stag do. So I was missing this game live and rewatched it. And I guess my main point with all of this, and it always comes back to what I what, what I hold 
to be the correct way of looking at football and what I was brought up to believe was the correct way of looking at football was that fair enough referee can 100% impact games and VAR impacts games massively as well but I I always find the argument that a referee lost you a game to be a little bit pitiful because I think you should be good enough to put enough difference between you and the team that you're playing in your performance into it so that those things don't matter. Fair enough, they might get a penalty, they might score a goal, the momentum might shift in certain ways, so it does impact. But I think that you should always be better than the team enough to give you yourself leeway that the referee makes an absolute shocker of a decision and gives the, the team a penalty that's not a penalty. So what, what about Celtic's performance in this? Was It obviously was good enough to beat VAR and Hearts, as Chris Sutton said, after the game. Uh, but conceding three goals as well is probably not ideal. Uh, what was, if you could sum up Celtic's performance in this game, James, how would you do it? Uh, <laughs> generally, I mean, again, you have to, relative to the standards that we've set under Ange, I think objectively it was bad. Uh, I think we were very fortunate given all of the context, right? So again, the idea that we probably not probably should have had a penalty and um, should have had another goal with Ralston. Um, Even with that context, you know, uh, we had some problems with how hearts played for, let's say the first hour until they ran out of gas. Um, And, you know, they, they dominated a pretty decent stretch of that game. And I said, relatively speaking, right? So we're not going to get dominated in a, you know, Real Madrid last 40 minutes against us, against Hearts. But um, but but this was the kind of game that it was going to happen. I mean, in that small pitch, they came out, you know, they've had a rough stretch. They have been not having a great, you know, season so far. Uh, so I how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
think they really came in kind of guns blazing and they really came after us and they pressed and they pressed and they were reasonably effective in it until they got tired uh, and really, you know, um, highlighted some of the structural weaknesses that we've, we've talked about in prior shows. So, you know, um, the, the, the irony of this is we almost Real Madrid them kind of meaning that in the last 35, 40 minutes is when we really took over the game after they kind of sputtered out. Um, and, you know, from then on, it was, you know, us pretty being pretty dominant. I think the other thing is that just from a, you know, again, I always go back to Alan's uh, trademarked or copyrighted, whatever it is, uh, toxic combinations. And given the nature of the game, given that first 60 minutes, we didn't have a lot of um, stability on the ball in the game. So if you think about having, let's <clears throat> say, Maeda over hack, hack I'm going to call them hacks, um, uh, Bernabe over Taylor, uh, Jackamacus over Kyogo, um, you know, that Ralston over uh, Juranovic, like any of those individually, it's oh, okay. But if you take them all together, they're not quite as secure on the ball as the other people that could have played for them. Um, and you kind of get, you got this, you know, uh, pinball machine action that was going on <laughs> with how intense they were pressing and we're giving the ball away a little bit or a lot at times um, and having trouble with the press. And it was like, okay, you know, it, it was a bit of a mess, I think, because of that. But, but the combination of them tiring us making sub sub substitutions where we, you know, diluted some of those problems, to a significant degree. And then we kind of took over um, in, in that last half hour in particular. So, yeah, I, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to me, it, it, it echoed very differently. But it, it, when I was trying to think, I was like, when's the last time we kind of had a game like this? I was thinking it was like the Motherwell 4-3 game. Uh, I think it was 16-17. I think it was at that season or 17. I think it was 16-17. Um, where you kind of had that same kind of vibe of a game and we came back more in that one but you know a lot of that kind of ping or uh, uh pinball kind of action going on um mm -hmm. and you know that's not going to happen that often because of the nature of that pitch and them having some decent athleticism at some positions um and hopefully we're just not going to be that horrible that often um so well, there was a lot of changes to this game, to the the team going into this game, and I suppose most notably was the two fullbacks, Anthony and Austin, came in at right back with Bernabe at left back, and just going off what people were saying, Bernabe didn't seem to have his best game, and the starting lineup <laughs> didn't seem to suit the didn't seem to suit the way that Hearts played against us more than anything. I'm just reading. Owen Brown's piece on the athletic where he breaks down the sort of spatial issues that Celtic had throughout the game between certain players and the way that, that Hearts played against us. So, Alan, do you want to give your summation of, of how or, or why Celtic struggled in this game, uh, especially in the first half, where they only created, I think it was 0.12 XG or something in the first half, despite scoring a goal? Mm. Yeah, and listen, you know, you need to be. I need to be careful, and I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else about you know falling back into the oh we made lots of changes therefore we didn't play well type of argument because if you look back over the last um, five games in reverse order, the number of changes to lineup has been uh, six, five, five, four, six, right? And some of those games have been pretty comprehensive wins. So that in and of itself isn't a reason for not playing coherently. Um, yeah, think, it's also the same changes all the time as well. It's not. It's like a, a an A and a B team. It's not. It's not as if he's changing people and putting Ralston at left back and putting Aaron Moy up as a, a right winger or anything. He's, it's pretty. Consistent no, no. I mean they're, they're consistent, and and the, you know the, the because of injuries as well. The, the people who you might have thought were in that B list are, are now in the A list, sort of thing, and getting getting decent runs like like you know Jens and, and Moy probably just to pick pick two up. But I think there was a little bit of the toxic combination came into play. I, I didn't think it was such it was so much a general thing. I thought it was a very specific thing, which was the left hand side, um, because you had Bernabe and Maeda. Now Maeda is not a player who's going to show for the ball uh, midway through midway into the opposition half and be like Jota, collect it, drop a shoulder, take somebody on, and progress the ball. He's either he's either going to all he's going to do is he's going to give it back to you. 
right, at best, right? He, what he wants to do is he wants to run onto the ball that you pass through to him. Um, and, that, and that opportunity, they were so deep. They were so deep. Their back line was so deep. That, that just that kind of got negated. And then you had Bernabeu, who really, um, unfortunately, showed all of his downsides in this game uh, to, to quite a, an absolutely alarming degree. I've not, I've not done the whole game. I've only done half half the game, but already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Eight times he lost possession of the ball in the first half on that side. Um, two of those times they ended up with shots at goal, including the Snodgrass chance came off of his just dumb throw-in to Hatati that was easily intercepted. Eight times he either lost challenges in his own half or gave the ball away in his own half. And as I say, two of them were direct, directly led to chances. And so, you know, when he's got somebody ahead of it, and you could see from that, you know, you could see he was getting, his confidence was going. And every time he got the ball, all he was trying to do was get rid of it as quickly as possible. And having somebody like Maeda in front of you is not a great aid to that. Maeda's not particularly secure on the ball, and he's not going to really do anything extravagant in terms of finding pockets of space or being open in a, in a great position. So I thought that was a, a real weakness in the team, and it was one of the reasons why we struggled to get any momentum into our build-up play. And, and there was an awful lot of passing between Jens and Carter Vickers. The other reason, the other, the other main weakness I think we had was that, you know, uh, Matt O'Reilly just had, a, I think, a really poor game. Another way to say it, really. His movement wasn't great. He was static. Um, and this is, this is when we talk about McGregor and what his strengths are. McGregor's always in motion. He's always looking to receive the ball. He's already moving when he receives the ball. He's already... His body is already in the right position. He's either on the turn or on the half turn, and he's looking forward. O'Reilly is a bit more ponderous. He's not receiving the ball when he's moving. He's receiving his ball with a closed body position, and he simply isn't moving fast enough on his feet. And so he was getting closed down a lot. I mean, we actually gave up a couple of chances in that first half because um, O'Reilly got caught centrally as well. So again, the combination of things. And then on the other side, they pressed. They pressed quite effectively. And, and Ralston, bless him, uncomplicated football, and I, and I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean he, he doesn't he doesn't overcomplicate the game. Whenever he was put under pressure, he just launched it up the line, and then inevitably nine times out of ten, you kind of give give the ball away. So that 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 was just a, a, you know Hearts. I think um, to my mind, I thought Hearts were sharper in their press. They were quicker off the ball, and they were also quicker with the ball as well than Celtic. Were too, Celtic were too slow in possession in comparison. And, and and that led to them, if not dominating the game, certainly just making it a horrible, scrappy, error-strewn game. And I know you might think, oh, it's 4-3, and, and for a neutral, it must have been amazing. And it was dramatic. But in terms of quality on the ball, it was a terrible game of football. There were so many turnovers. So so fair play to them. And I, I would say, you know, fair play to them throughout the game. I thought they... They, they simplify, I talk about this quite a lot because uh, I think it's important. They simplified their game. They've had, a, what is it, 11 defeats in 15 games. They're on a really bad run. Confidence is low. They've had a lot of injury problems, especially in defence. They made the game as uncomplicated as they could. It was signposted before the game. Cochrane said they'll take yellow cards. Um, you know, uh, their smirking idiot of a manager, Nielsen, talked about making contact before the match. We all know what that code that is code for. But fair play to them. They played it. They, they played a very simple, but they played it very well. Um, so the same as St Mirren did when we played them. I'm not, I'm not damning with faint praise. I genuinely mean they, they had, they had a strategy and they executed it, executed very effectively. But they did tire. Uh, you know, they're not used to again, you know, pressing with sixty percent of, of the ball, not not having the ball for sixty percent of the time, sort of thing. So inevitably they tired. And I think you know Celtic actually could have eased to eased to victory uh, by by more goals. And I think James is spot on in that mm. one. So yeah, I think it was, a, it was a horrible, horrible. It was a f- intensely frustrating game to watch. If you like me, and focusing on the performance, uh, it was just so many poor things. So many you know, but, and a lot of it was just down to basic, just the basic contrast and tempo of how the two teams played. So I'll throw in a couple of fun stats then. So the um, the running theme that I've been on lately. So the ball in play time was under forty seven minutes. Horrible. So and that, and that, that was with how much time added with you know all, all of that. So um, for context, it was like sixty against RB Leipzig, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, Real Madrid was I think sixty one, which was high. I mean that's a high number. Mm-hmm. So we're we're yeah, domestically yeah. we're more in the fifty three to fifty five range. So good good bit below that and that again speaks to the the pinball action that was going on uh and then the other one was 
um, they pressed us. So the pressures is a metric that um, that stats bombs keeps and they had 139 pressures. So again, to put that into context um, and, and they were relatively effective. So they, they had 29 recoveries. So that it's about a 21% recovery rate. If you want to call it that um, that's the highest an opponent has had this season by a pretty decent margin. The only one that's even close was, was Rangers, which again, you would think given the relative quality and athletes and players, um, and it, back to, um, you know, we, we've been relatively uh, praising of O'Reilly in that role up until this game, I think. And I think part of that, in hindsight now, uh, is this is the first team to actually put any pressure on him in that position uh, of any significant degree. So, again, to go back to the Leipzig game, they only had 80 pressures in the whole game. So 80 versus 139. There's a difference in possession. But – you know, they weren't man marking him. They weren't pressing him that heavily when he did get time. So he was he had that kind. We talked about it last week. You know, when he, when he squares up and he's got time on the ball to pick out passes, he's quite good at that. And I think what hearts again, to their credit, what they decided to do was put some of these guys under pressure. And again, the 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 compression of the of the pitch size really, I think, helps that. Um, so that made it quite uncomfortable for him and some of the other guys as well, I think. Um, so again, I thought that the ball and play time and the number of pressures and their effectiveness were pretty good indicators as far as, again, the first kind of 60, well, 50 to 55 minutes where it was mm. quite uncomfortable. I think it's probably down to the injuries more than anything else, injuries and the amount of games they're playing and the, the different standards of games that they're playing. But it is interesting that probably the last time that you could say nine out of the 11 starting players had a really good game was probably the win against Rangers earlier on the season. I think there's been quite a few, quite a number of games recently enough, especially that that could be you know fogging my memory just the fact that Celtic haven't been taking over all that great. Is that you have one or two could have been all the brain cells well. you killed this weekend too. Well, it, it also could have been that um, <laughs> it, one or two players playing really well, two or three playing middling okay, and then the rest are kind of you know like Rio Hatate last week just had a really bad game. So kind of seems that way with the likes of Bernabe and the like, and and a couple of others. And what what's funny is that when Celtic have nine or ten good players on the pitch playing well, usually it ends up four or five nil. So I think that's probably where we're we're seeing some of the drop in performances and drop or general drop in general probably performance of the entire team rather than than individual performances and i don't think it's any coincidence that the worst performances have come before and after champions league games i i i genuinely think there is something in that whatever whether it's mentality whether it's you know maybe O'Reilly's just hoping he's not going to get injured before the Shakhtar game or or anything like that. It could be a number of things. It could be the training that they do in the build-up, but I don't think it's a coincidence that they are playing badly before and after Champions League games this year. Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, even though Celtic have got clearly, you know, enormous resources compared to most of the teams in the league and more players and the squad and of a better quality, etc., you know, they are playing a, a tremendous amount of games. And, and whilst that isn't degrading their ability to win football matches at SPFL level, it does degrade the quality of the product, if I can put it that way, on the pitch in terms of the consistency of uh, performance. You know, This is the point I kept coming back to, is that consistency that we saw over the second half of last season. And that was mainly driven despite the fact, well, actually, well, because partly because of the fact that Postacog was only really using 17 players for the last half of the season. So there was a tremendous consistency of selection there uh, and the players were getting used to each other and therefore there was a consistency of performance that followed. This season, we saw the first sort of, um, I think, five games of the season where, or seven games of the season actually, where we were playing one game a week and we saw an incredible consistency of uh, mm-hmm. of performance. The team didn't didn't change particularly, apart from that Ross County League Cup game, and then back again for the the derby that followed it. But then since then, you know, we've uh, we've had to change the team a lot. Injuries have mounted up. There's been a lot of travelling involved. So no excuses in terms of oh poor Celtic for all that. I'm just saying it inevitably yeah. has to impact on the coherence of the performance, even though we've still I, been getting I, the results. Yeah, I think one extra point I would make before we move on to the Shakhtar game tomorrow is that while it is just still October, in reality we're in December when it comes to the the football that we're playing at the minute. That's where we are with the football season. We are in 
what would normally be the December slug where you're just trying to get wins, you're tra- trying to get performances. It, it really is like they're just playing that many games to try to get it done before this World Cup happens that it feels like this is the period where Celtic normally start hitting their groove when in reality terms, I'd, I'd say a lot of these players are just on their last legs like they would be normally coming up to the, the Christmas season. Um, uh, but I was just going to say ahead, that the, the other variable here is that um, I think Hearts finishing third last season was um, a bit flattering uh, in the sense... Two words, Craig Gordon. <laughs> well, right. Craig, Craig Gordon had a good shot-stopping season. Uh, they were, I think, seventh or eighth in non-penalty XG conceded. So, again, given their resources and where they're at in the league, that's not a good defending team. We talked about that last season. Uh, they are now last in the league in uh, non-penalty XG uh, conceded, and it's actually not that close. Um they're at uh, 183 per game. So that, you know, we talk about Celtic in Europe, and when you get up close to that two goals, you know, two um, in XG conceded, how difficult it is to win. Um, and, you know, even a team like Hearts in our league, you, you can't concede that amount in chances. And that's why they're they're just, they're hemorrhaging goals. And, Gordon hasn't been as good this season yet. And uh, maybe he won't be, we'll say. But um so yeah, he he was he kind of bailed them out to a degree last season and this season is just pretty much a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So just to finish off the the podcast then uh, we're, the reason we're recording this on a Monday is because we're playing in the Champions League tomorrow night against Shakhtar at home. This is the one. This is the one that we have to win. I mean, this this is the one that I've I've had shoehorned. I had Jack away shoehorned as one we had to win. But I, I think I will be very very upset tomorrow night, regardless of the performance, if Celtic don't beat the Shakhtar's team at home. And um, how are we feeling about this game? Yeah, I'm pretty nervous actually. I mean, I, I don't want to fall into the trap. And again, I'm speaking as much to myself. As anyone else here, Obviously, you know, look. You look at the performance data from that game away in Warsaw, and you think, well, Celtic were by miles the better team, and clearly should have won that match um, by all the indicators. And, and, and yes, but they didn't. But the problem is at this level is just is just as likely that they could turn up tomorrow and play bloody well, right? And they could almost do the same to us as, as what we played in Warsaw, because because you know they're just a, a good team full of good good footballers and internationalists and so forth. So. Um, I'm 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 hopeful. I don't think Donetsk are one of the. I think their away results. I might be wrong in this. I'm sure, someone will correct me. I don't think their away results are tremendous. Uh, I don't think they travel that well. Um, and I think you know it's it's been a obviously it's, it's a difficult time for them as players as humans. You know, emotionally as well as physical as Champions League campaign, playing their domestic campaign with everything that's going on in their lives and so forth. So. You know, I, I can't imagine it'll be the best of them that we'll see in that regard. But having said all that, you know, if we don't play very, very well and they, they play as well as they can do, we could easily get hammered, to be honest. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of expecting us to, to win. We have to, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we put on a performance that is, again, showing progress is really what I'm looking for. And if we do that, will it be enough to, to get a result against this team? I, I certainly hope so, but... It wouldn't shock me if it was a, if, it, if it if it went bad. Well, somebody in the comments is asking why Shakhtar are going great. I presume that's to me saying I'd be upset if we don't win. I, look, I, Celtic should be beating Shakhtar, whether they play well or not. They have they have one or two very good players, most notably that left winger that tore us apart a couple of times. But they're also missing a couple of key players tomorrow night as well. And Celtic should have beaten them away from home. And if 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 we're going to take ourselves seriously in any sort of way in European football, I'm okay with writing off the Real Madrid and RB Leipzig games as good performances that you'll learn from going forward. But Shakhtar, for me, are a side that Celtic should be measuring themselves against in that that is a winnable game. And especially with how Celtic pride themselves in good performances at home, that I think tomorrow night is a must-win game for Celtic for for Antipostokogu to prove that there are progress there is progress being made in Europe they need to be beating a team that is level enough in quality to them that I don't think that's an unreasonable argument 
Yeah, I, I, to me, outside, I mean, I, I, I came in thinking that the Leipzig games were going to be important litmus tests, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this, outside of maybe like a Scottish Cup final against Rangers, theoretically, or something like that, to me, this is the biggest game of the season uh, from a from a kind of a, a measuring stick of us doing what we should do against an opponent that we should beat in a game where the opponent has a style that is you know, um, easier than not versus our style. I mean, that if you go into this, and to Alan's point, it's one game, you know, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. Anything can happen. Um, but with, you know, all of the kind of direction of travel stuff in my mind uh, that we should really win this game. And I think, you know, because of that, um, it would be concerning if we don't, uh, in, in my view. Um, because you know, the, the, this, this, there, there is still this lingering concern I have about, um, us scaling this up into Europe at, at this level. And, you know, when, when you're not winning the games against the opponents, you should, that's why, you know, there's all those reasons and the, the, uh, uh, the externalities on the Bodo Glimt games last season, but, you know, th- those are the kind of games you should win or at least come out of it against that kind of opponent. And, you know, Shakhtar, from a resource perspective, is obviously got a lot more than Bodo Glimp from a, from a quality of an opponent perspective. They're in the same neighborhood, like from an effectiveness basis. And if you just for style, I, I would say that this is really kind of that level of an opponent. So we should beat them in this game. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm excited about the game because of that. I mean, I, I think it's a great test and, you know, I'm excited to see us actually do what we should do. Mm-hmm. The person this comment, I think it's Jimbo. I've not got my glasses on. He said that he, he'll be there tomorrow, but won't be throwing his uh, toys out of the pram if Celtic lose. I'm not going to be calling for Ange Postacoglu's head if Celtic <laughs> don't win the game. But I, I I think it's fair enough that we want to expect to win some of these games in the Champions League as well. And I think the key point, out, the key thing that I want to see is just not Celtic having 17 shots, 10 of them on target, and one goal. That's my main point from tomorrow. But similarly, I, I don't believe that just because we played well in Warsaw and dominated the game, that means we're going to win this game tomorrow. That's that's, no, that's really. what I'm coming from. But equally, but, but, equally, but if, if we do if we do have 17 shots and create like six big chances and have XG of 2.5 and we lose one nil, I, I, I'm I'm still in a place where I will accept that as a good performance. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Right, that's that's where I, I am. I, 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 I disagree with that. I, yeah, I, I yeah. I'm not I'm not going to sit on the fence on this game because I think. What what we're what this year was was a learning curve in the Champions League. That's what you can you can say. You learn as you go go each game. You should be improving, and this is Celtic's fifth game in the Champions League this season against a side that are not a team that like RB Leipzig, who have an eighty million player just sitting on you know as their starting lineup. They're not a team that have uh, are packed with absolute superstars that would make it into most Premier League sides. Shakhtar are a side that are level to Celtic when it comes to resources and quality from a league that's similar enough in quality to the best teams in Scotland. And this is Celtic's fifth game, Ange Postacoglu's fifth game in the Champions League now. They need to be learning to the point where they're winning games against this level of opposition, not against RB Leipzig, not against Real Madrid, but against Shakhtar Donetsk and everyone else that's going to be coming up against them in the likes of the Europa League or Conference League. That's, that's my expectations for Celtic in Europe. No, and that's that's fair. And, and but you know they haven't won. This group hasn't won one game yet. So in terms of learning, they, they don't even have that experience of one win. Shakhtar have actually won one one win, and and actually the one more than that. And if you go back over the last few years, where they have had experience at this level, yeah. so they're, so they're way more experienced than us at this level, by the way. So no, all, all I'm saying is is that you know if 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 the performance dips and you know we're we're giving up loads of chances. You know, we're naive in our pressing, our, our defensive spacing is all over the place. Really, what happened in Leipzig is repeated. Then I'm going to be really annoyed, and I don't care what the score is. Right? We could win one nil on that basis, and I'd still be disappointed and drawing, calling out all these things. Equally, if we restrict them to like one long range shot which goes in the top corner, and we absolutely batter them, and their goalkeeper has a worldie, and we create loads of chances and lose one nil, I'm not going to be happy. 
but I'm going to be content that on a, from a performance basis, if we carry on like that, we will get our rewards. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, that's, that's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Shall we wrap this up? Anything else you just want to get off your chest before we get into the... <laughs> I, I, I just want to lobby for us not doing a VAR segment every week because I suspect if we wanted to do that, it could become a, a regular part of the show because this is, this is going to be an absolute debacle. No, no, I, I, I agree with that. And we will not be doing a referee's watch. Re- I, I will say that referee's watch is honestly the worst, the worst segment in Sky Sports. I, I hated myself for watching it. I'm pretty sure it's just people who have nothing else to do uh, during the day. People that, hung that over from two segment. days of drinking. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, that's that's how I ended up watching uh, the, the ref watch on Sky Sports at the weekend. Well, Gentlemen, think, thanks very much. It, it, because in in England, presumably, um, because the you know the the vet, the referees in terms of allegiances and so forth, they don't have any. I don't know. I don't, I'm not aware they wouldn't deliberately have a conflict of interest. That you know, referees will make mistakes, and what happens in that respect is that you will get a random distribution of errors across all the teams, pretty much. Um, well, you know, and if that was the case in Scotland, I think we'd be fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the entire way through the United Fergie sort of when they were absolutely dominant in the Premier League. The the age-old thing was Howard Webb was a United fan and he shouldn't be allowed to referee games. Things like that used to go on as well. So, I mean, you'll always have that. Their bias is always against the team you're generally supporting. He's from Sheffield, never, yeah. <laughs> by the way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know who he supports, that so, I've never met him, but... <laughs> I think I think he might actually be a United fan. That was the funny I think, thing. I think, <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Enjoy thank the you. game tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, well, I'll try my best. And thank you to everyone who is watching live. Loads of people watching and loads of people commenting as well. Keep the comments coming underneath the video when it finishes up. If you want to get this show on podcast, you can get us on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're new to the channel, you can subscribe to the channel and get notified every time a video goes live. So we will be looking back at hopefully, hopefully a Celtic win against Shakhtar. Otherwise I'll be very upset on the next podcast, but that will be coming probably later on this week or maybe early next week, but uh, we'll keep you posted on our Twitter page, which you can find at Huddle Breakdown as well. So thank you for watching, listening, and we'll chat to you whenever we record the next podcast. Good luck. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. All about control, and if you can take it. All about your death, and if you can play it. It's all about pain, and who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch from a smoking gun I am the game, and I made the rules So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, son, no, I don't dread me don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.